Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Coffee Can't Fix Everything podcast. This is a show about mental health over a cup of coffee. Now, I know coffee's great, but it can't fix all life struggles. So, grab a cup of coffee, take a seat, and listen to these great conversations. Enjoy. Coffee can't fix everything. This is the podcast where we talk about mental health over a cup of coffee. I'm here with, shall I say, a Des Moines Hall of Fame legend. I don't know what to say. Or in the legend in the making. Um, the I don't want to do too much. I don't do too much. Yeah, put a lot of pressure on me, but you know, I'm I'm just I'm accepting what you're saying. So I'll go with it. Yes, Duana, you do so much. I'm gonna let you talk about what you do. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank I you. It. Yes. Um, and today, like I was telling you before we started the recording, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's funny because there's been a lot of fear in my life, as I was telling you about. Yeah. But what I was thinking about, Ark, like speaking to you today and getting on this mic, um, and what I wanted to share with people is, is fear. And mm-hmm. I know you've been stepping out on faith. Yeah. Um, but tell us how you... How how do you overcome that fear or, or is fear a big presence? Is it? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when I hear you speak out here, out here, I'm like, this woman is afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what is fear like for you? Yeah. So fear has transformed over the years. So I say that because it's not present now. Mm-hmm. So when, when y'all see me get up there and I, I drop a word or... Someone randomly says, oh, Dewan is here. Let's hear some words from here. Or literally, I don't operate in fear now. Um, right. As my faith has gotten stronger, as I I read my Bible daily, as I meditate on the word, it says in my word that I'm not to be afraid. There's nothing here for me to fear. There's fear. There's things that happen that make you fearful, but I'm not to be afraid. But I tell people this and no one believes me, but my mom can attest to this. I was fearful growing up. Everything scared me. The shadow, the darkness of the hallway. Um, I wouldn't even go outside and play with the kids when I was younger. I would sit and watch them because I'm an observer. So I would watch the kids play. I begged my mom to take me outside, but I would just watch. I was even fearful to go play with the kids. I was fearful in church, yes, to, to sing the song. I cried when they called me to do a solo. The tears, oh my goodness, the tears. And I'm going, I can't do this. And, and my mom wanted to rescue me every single time. And it was the, the pastor's wife whom I always give her credit. She seen something in me I never saw in myself and she would stop my mom every time. She has to do this. And my mom would be like, I, I can't let her suffer as most parents would not let their child um, hold a microphone crying and singing through the song. Um, that's what I'm doing. And, and <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going through. <laughs> and I'm taking these big breaths in between. <laughs> it's just so funny. And my mom is like wanting to like help me. And I'll tell you, I didn't understand that till now. 
was that spirit of fear that's not in me. That's a real thing now. But it came from a life of I was very fearful, you know, afraid of I I lost my like my brother to me as I got older and started to be fear death and, and got really nervous about like, am I next? You took him. Is it me? And I remember going through a period of anxiousness and fear. And I just kept and I'm asking everybody pray over me. I'm, I, I don't know how to deal with this. And I just finally just something shifted. And I think it was more of me delving more into my Bible, which is my faith is everything. And I just finally started to embrace you have no one to fear, but God, like everything that happens. And, and even in fearing God, it's not the fear that we think of. See, when you say don't fear God, it's like, don't be afraid of him. No, it's just to show him reverence and respect. So that's the only person I'm to fear. And so knowing that and that he goes with me everywhere I go and the Holy Spirit guides me, then what am I afraid for now? So now when you see me and you're like, ooh, she said that or, oh, she did that. I do that because of the Holy Spirit that resides in me that has told me I have not given you a spirit of fear. So therefore, why are you afraid? So now I do tell people, I'm, I'm not afraid, but eight-year-old me, oh yeah, that that's a whole different story. Yeah, and you have a pre- you have a strong presence, and where and you already kind of mentioned it, mm-hmm. but how does somebody? What, what was that like? What was that first moment where you were like, "No, I'm not afraid." Walk me through that. What was yeah. that like? What did that feel like? It felt like this refreshing thing like I, I I can't explain but it was almost like the light had shined upon me it was just this I'm in a room by myself mind you and it's the the confidence just fills you like you just say oh this is me like it's 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 undescribable to put it to it but it felt like a fresh awakening it felt brand new it felt good to walk into it you know it it didn't it felt good and and it's it's hard to explain because you just have to experience it for yourself to go like once the lord says you you've been spinning around here all this time i done told you who you are and once you realize it there's just no going back no going back back to that with with that lived experience of fear as a child and and finally breaking that do you see that in other people like do you say oh i know I know that look. Right. <laughs> I should tell you, I hear people speak and God love them, but I could tell the ones. <laughs> I could tell the ones who are struggling. <laughs> and I just want to call the two of them and say, and I try to be an encourager to people. Uh-huh. No, you've got this. Because the people will tell me I'm not a speaker. I've got them in my family. Um, you know, my mom will tell you I'm not a speaker. I'm not relatives will say I'm not a speaker and I try to encourage them because I can't always be the one that speaks all the time. So I have to say, no, I got you. I'm going to pray for you. But yeah, when I see people like that, I feel for them because you can visibly tell the papers rattling, the voices shaking, (laughs) the the eyes are just, they're going back and forth. The ums are happening more and more. Mm -hmm. And those are just nervous tendencies, but I still have nervous tendencies too myself. That like, um, I'll tell this people will start watching this now if I say it, but my eyes blink a lot. Um, people oh, don't yeah, sometimes I think either I'm nervous or I'm irritated. I haven't quite figured out which one it is <laughs> when I'm around people and my eyes will blink and 
I had people who would joke with me and be like, oh, they must have been getting to you because, girl, them eyes was like, do, 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 do this. But, you know, um, that's just something that I noticed. But, yeah, I can notice people when they do. Um, and I try my best to encourage or even if they know they're like, I was so nervous. Oh, no, you did great. Like, we have to be giving that to people, though. You might have been nervous. You might have fumbled. You might have said something that out of the ordinary that you should. But we've got to still be the encouragers. How disheartening would it be if you were speaking and you knew you were nervous and the words weren't coming out? And I came to you and said, next time you ought to try this. Yeah, there won't be no next. Exactly. There wouldn't be next. So it's better for me to come to say, let you say what you say. Oh, did you see me? I fumbled on my... No, you did a great job. Yeah. You know, you you did great. No one noticed it but you. And so you you try to encourage people because you want to encourage them to do it again. And that's what I feel like part of the, the role is. You don't just say you're good at something. Speaking's my gift. Right. But not encourage people and then make them say, well, I'll never do this again. Right. Yeah. It feels like it's it's a, uh, it takes a community effort mm-hmm. to, to raise people out of fear. It does. I feel like. And... You know, there are things that I'm fearful of, Mm -hmm. just even outside of white speaking. I feel like everybody has a healthy dose of fear when it comes to speaking. It's normal. Yeah, Yeah. it's normal. It's normal. But, like, what I hate to see is when fear cripples you to do anything. That's it right there. You know? Yeah. And it's like, who are you talking to? How can, like, who can I reach out to? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm, and I, me as a, as a grown man, yes, learning, trying to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Like um, the conversation we had before we recorded, I probably would have never told you anything like that, right? But like I was, I'm scared. I was scared. Yeah, I need. We need to express that. You do. But it leads to my next question. The mm-hmm. reason why I was able to talk to you about that, right? Because I knew I, I you were a safe space, mm-hmm. and I feel like especially. Um, I wouldn't say especially the black community, but I'm right. talking about the black community because the community that. Yes, of course. Where are our safe spaces at to have these conversations around fear? And that's the, the thing. I try my very best. Anyone I come in contact with, I tell them nothing's off limits. You can ask me what you want. We can talk about what you want. It might be a person who has a, things that I may not agree with. But that's not my job. My job is to make you feel you can come tell me anything. You can you can talk about it. I may not even have a connection to it, but I'm going to listen to you. Our job is to create safe spaces for people. And so I get that often. It's like, I feel like I can talk to you. Well, because I'm not here to judge. Because if you knew my entire story and from whence and where I've come, I have no rights to throw stones or to say things because I've been in every almost facet of life that you can think of. But in our community, it's challenging to come into those spaces because we don't always do a good job of creating safe spaces. We're the greatest reactionary people. We are the greatest at talking about all of the deficits. We have a lot of deficit-minded thinking at times. And, And we're great at, to me, some of the negatives but what would our community look like if we could embrace one another? Everything people do, hey, I love it. I don't care if you're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. I love what you're doing, 
because it's what you've been called to do. So how do I look talking about I'm not giving you my resources. I'm not telling you who my sponsors are. I'm not going to support what you're doing. I'm not going to share it with folks like that's what we do with each other because we act like we're competing against each other. I'm not competing. I'm living purposely. Yo, that's real. And that's a difference. Everyone out here is competing. And I'm laughing at folks because I'm like, I'm not competing with you. Right. Everything God's given me to do, it's a part of my purpose story. I'm not competing. And the problem in our community is we think we're all competing. We act like we all got to vie for the white person's attention. Like we're all fighting for that. There are billions of dollars out here for us that can be spread to all of us. If you want to run a restaurant, do it. If you want to run a magazine, do it. If you want to do a podcast, do it. Like there's enough to go around, but we're all dying for the attention of folks who don't treat us right half of the time anyway. That part. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you said that at the last year's Black and Brown Business mm-hmm. Summit. You you may not even remember this, but there was a young woman that stood up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell she was kind of nervous to yep. say in yep. front of you. And you were like, I'll tell you what, everything. Everything I've got is yours. And I gave her everything that she now, needed. Now it's on her to do that. That's what I tell people. Yes. You have to make that. I can give you the whole book. I can give you every sponsor I've had for Juneteenth. I can give you everything, but I'm not going to do the work for you. But I will give you the information that you need. Yeah. Let's let's talk about, I'm curious because, you know, we, let's talk about all the things that you're doing because I think it's so awesome that when you talked about where you started mm-hmm. as far as your fear, but and now you're this, this strong woman. How much of this strength in stepping out on faith has encouraged you to start your met your your media company? Mm-hmm. Like how much of that was like I'm hey, I'm doing this because you got a degree, several. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm gonna start this me- this media company. Yeah. How much was there any fear in that, or was it just like? I'm, I, if you say I have no more fear. Yeah. So the media company, there was some fear in that, right? Because you're looking at things that we already had. I mean, we had a Jonathan Narciss already doing the, um, the bystander and the communicator. We had those things mm-hmm. that existed. So you almost feel like when you're about to do those things, like you're being, you're like, you're trying to undermine someone. So I went into that going like, I don't want, like everyone will know me. I'm not confrontational. I don't like conflict. I want us all to get along. So it felt a little strange going into that space. You know, I was very fearful um, of starting that. But the media company and really the magazine came out of me getting tired of watching everyday news. If I heard one more story about the murder that took place on this spot, or if I heard one more story about the robbery that took place, or if I found one more person that looked like us walking out of a building in handcuffs, I was like, you've got to stop this. Like, it's not the thing that I was interested in. So really quick story is my dad used to do the communicator before Jonathan. So I remember growing up, um, I was eight, nine years old, getting up with him, going to put the paper out and he's distributing this all across the state. So I remember that. So when he came back to me all those years later and said, let's do a magazine, part of me, the strength that I drew on was because he even thought enough of me to ask me. 
you know, now I got my father, the man who I think is everything, right? Everybody knows how I'm, I am the daddy's little girl, okay? I am the spoiled one. Um, I am the one that is most like him. But when he looked at me and said, let's do a magazine. Now, twofold, I was teaching at the time, single mom with two kids, and I'm thinking, I didn't sign up for this. But the other part of me was intrigued about what this could become. And so then the fear started to go away because the strength of my ancestors, the strength of my father, the strength of the people who have come before me. I think about, you know, um, the ancestors of the past who like Ida B. Wells, you've got people who like they believed in getting information out there. And I'm like, you can't do this. And so then that kind of initial fear turned into like, no, we're going to do this. And um, there's been ups and downs throughout the whole thing, but we'll be celebrating 10 years next year. That's so that's so amazing. That's so yeah. So first of all, tell me, tell me how that feels to, yeah. to, there was some nervousness. Now you're celebrating 10 years. Uh, is there nervousness for another 10 years? Like, like as someone that's went out on a limb, yeah. do that, what is, I want to know that feeling. Like, what is that? <laughs> So you sit here, no one knows this about me, but every every last quarter of the year, I'm in reflection mode. Mm-hmm. So come October, I'm thinking about what's transpired be- from January to September. I'm asking myself, should I continue to do this? Because one thing we don't do a good job is sometimes we stay in stuff that is time for us to leave. So every year I ask myself, is this still needed? Should I still do the magazine? Do I need to keep doing this podcast? Do I need to keep doing Juneteenth? It's a yearly conversation. Yes. And I take from October to December and I'm all on it. I think about what's going great. I I see, do I have sponsors for the following year? Do I, do I have the means to be able to be sustainable? Can I pay the people? Everything that runs through my head and every year God does something that reminds me why I'm doing it. And then I go, okay, then there's another year of this. So I literally take this one year in one year pieces. And so for me, I never, I don't focus on what the next 10 years could look like because I'm just focusing on what the next year looks like, what the next six months looks like, the next three months, the next day. Because what I know from my Bible is that every day is, the next day is not promised. So I can make plans and there's nothing wrong with making plans, but, um, God is the author of my plans. So for me, he's just gotten me regimented with taking this. I take it a year at a time. So I'm getting through this year, but I'm already thinking about next year. The minute I stop thinking about that in those spaces, then I think it's time for me to reconsider what I do and see where else I need to go. So I try it off. I apply for jobs and I still do this because I'm still trying to get my footing every time to say, Am I in the right space? I have peace that if he told me after year 10, let's stop the media company. Let's stop Juneteenth. Let's give it to somebody else. I'm okay with that. I don't need to do these things into my 70s and 80s, right? Because I told y'all about 55, 60, uh, I'm out of here. I'm traveling the world. I'm doing something. So, you know, I I think I don't allow myself to go that far um, because I'm just focused on the here and now, sometimes it makes me nervous, though, thinking that far ahead, because I'm like, we, we got to still do some things to make it that far, you know? Yeah. And 
there's some there's some um kind of some strength in not doing that mm-hmm. or not even I feel like we put a lot of our identity into what we do right and to be able to have the strength to be like you know what I know I've done this for so long yeah when people think of Juneteenth they think of Duada mm-hmm. right and to be able to have the courage and the strength to be like I'm gonna hand this off there's some there's some strength into that there that is like okay yeah that I what I really appreciate about that is what it's what you're saying is telling me that or I'm saying to myself, am I putting my identity too much into what I do? Even though it's impactful, even though I enjoy it. Yeah. But who is Corey or who am I? And there's some fear in that too of trying to figure that out. Ooh, wait till you get there. Uh, oh, when you start to know who you are, like I I know that now, but I encourage younger people know who you are before you get in the mid late 30s early 40s now I'm in mid 40s closer to 50 now like you gotta know who you are what I stand for what I don't stand for you know what am I gonna be on the sword for like you gotta know it And, and once you know it though it is it is the most liberating thing and I was challenged with my identity literally last year word talk about it yeah so I um and working on my doctorate at Drake. And I have an amazing shout out to Dr. Dow Jacques for people who don't know. Yeah, he's Dr. Dow. He is the very first person who asked me, who are you? And this is the class we're taking, right? It's a class we're taking, but he made us write an identity statement. And I'm thinking, what do I need an identity? Like, you know who I am? And I'm still working on that identity statement. I, I didn't write, his writing, I never quite got there, but I'm pushing myself to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving up on that. But I had to flush through that. And the day that he asked me that, I remember that class was on a Friday. I stayed up till about three in the morning, having to be back in class with him at eight, struggling through that question. It really aided me because I'm like, who are you now? In church, we talk about, I know who I am, right? right? I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am. I know whose I am. But there's also a thing about like, but who are you? Like if, if I have to come out and people say, who are you? That's a whole different thing that a lot of times we don't think about. Of course, I'm a woman. Of course, I'm African-American. But who, what, if you didn't have Juneteenth, if you didn't have a magazine, if you didn't have a media company, because see, I don't get caught up in labels. So then who are you outside of that? But my problem was I was identifying by off of who people told me I was. So everyone, I've, I've been told I'm a mom. I've been told I'm a student. I was told at the time when I was serving on the board, I was a school board member. I was told that I was a choir director. I was told I was this leader in the community. I was told all of these things, but who did I identify as? No, what, what do I think? No, everyone wanted me to be somebody. So every time I came into a space, it was who you said I was. Yo, oh, oh. okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> I know that just, you probably, that took you there. Take a minute, take a minute, take a minute. <laughs> I want to be mindful of your time. Yeah. But, but let's, 
Let's work through that a little bit. Yeah. Because I feel like I want to think that's important for people who are listening mm -hmm. and who are kind of going back to the topic of fear. Yeah. I just said that and I'm thinking in my head, okay, who is Corey? And it's like, immediately I go to, okay, what's my job label? Yep. What, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm the whole healthy project. You know, all these things. All the things like, you do. Yeah. Yes. So... Walk me through that, the emotions of that. Or finally figuring out, oh, I'm Dwanda. This is who I am. Yeah. And the liberation that comes with that. Man, it, it is so great to know that. And this is who, and remind you, when I'm talking about who I am, this is the person that I'm going to be in every space that I go through. So if you see me for Juneteenth, if you see me here, the goal is not to change that because it's the core of who I am. And one thing I really had to grapple with was I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I struggled with that and I'll tell you why. Not because I was ashamed, but there's so many dynamics to that, right? Because so many people have a perception of what they think a Christian is. And so when I come in and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and I had to be specific because when you say you're a Christian, oh, yeah, they think the worst. yeah, the, the worst thing, but I had to say to the point of, I am a follower of Jesus, meaning I follow, I look at that Bible and I look at the things that he did and how he operated. And that's what I want my life to mirror. I had to finally come to terms and say, that's who I am. And that's who you're going to get in every space. Now, am I going to shove Bibles down your throat and tell you, you know, you're going to hell and all? No, I'm not doing that. I'm tell you you're wrong for what you do. I'm not doing that because Jesus tells me to love people. He tells me to listen to people make safe space, come in feeling joyful. But that was the biggest identity thing for me was that's who I am. Um, I'm also a person who really, I like folks to get along. I like peace yeah. and I'll do everything in my power to protect it. And if I walk away from you or turn my back on you, it's not because I have an issue with you, but if I feel like you're starting to disrupt my peace, I gotta walk away. And people don't understand that. And so I've learned these things about myself. I've learned that I'm a lover of learning. I've got 10,000 degrees and everyone goes, girl, you, I, I, I ain't used one of them. It's just, but I love to learn. I love conversation, the art of it and the, the fluidity of it and the just connecting with people through words is what I love. But I also had to recognize my gifts as I was identifying myself. I used to not tell people I have the gift to speak. I wouldn't tell people that. No, I, for, for a long time, I never said it to people because the minute you start saying what you're good at, someone tries to find a way to come in there. Oh, she ain't that good with that. Oh, look at her. She up there thinking she's this. And I finally had to embrace. No, talking is my gift. It's what I'm good at. And so when people say, you did a great job talking, Oh, thank you. That's my gift. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You got to start speaking what you're good at. And so all of these things, I'm a speaker. I'm an encourager. You know, these things I start to resonate with. That's who I am. So when I go into different spaces, you're going to, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to make you feel safe. You know, I'm going to speak. I'm going to listen. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray for you. And that's always going to be my answer if there's a problem because I follow Jesus. But I used to be ashamed of some of those things because I'm like, nobody want to hear all that. But I'm like, but we live in a world now where everybody can be who they want to be, right? So why was I hiding from who I wanted to be? It's who I am. If you don't like it, you have a choice. Remove yourself from me and, and I won't be hurt because it just didn't you just it didn't work for you. That's OK. But these things I've started to embrace. So that's been like my journey. And I'm telling you now. Yeah. When I walk in the room, oh, the confidence is there. I go from the back of the table to the front of the table because that's how good I feel about myself. And and I want people to have that and people can have that. Um, but you got to choose to want that. But what if you're what if you're afraid to want that? So I go back to my faith and I know it's always a thing. You know, I, I think that you've got to find a way to fight through that. I think fear. And I want to say this in the right way because I don't want to discredit anxieties. Right. I, I've got family members who have dealt with anxiety. My daughter, I can say this out loud. She deals with anxiety. And so and we've worked through that together and she's worked with others to help her with that. And I have family members who have dealt with that. So I don't want to don't diminish what I'm saying is to know I, I know anxiousness is a real true thing. And, and it's and it's something that I've dealt with. But when you're talking about fear, it becomes the it's it becomes crippling to the point to where you don't do what you've been called to do. You have to fight through that. To me, fear is like a um, it's like a battle. Right. Because you're literally battling like I've got to fight through this to break through that. And all I can encourage people to do is to surround yourself with people who, you know, that they like they. Fear is not that I ain't rocking with the fear folks, but if you want to come rock with me, I, great, but I'm going to speak things into you that hopefully push you to move past that fear. Find people who are speaking great things. I have great pastors. I listen to um, great motivational speakers, books I read that help cultivate, you know, me so that I'm so that I can move forward. But you got to surround yourself with it. Fear, fearful folks shouldn't be hanging around fearful people. Because you're all going to keep operating in this in fear. It's a bunch of scared people. All the time. <laughs> all the time. I don't understand people. Like, it's okay to have people who are like-minded, but if, yeah. if they're deficit-minded and they're fearful and they're telling you, don't do because I, yeah. you need to put yourself in the company of people that will encourage you to go where you need to go. Oh, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yes. Because I was one of those that was fearful of success. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, what's this going to do? Uh, you know, all the excuses in the book. Me too. Yes. Like, you should do this. I'm going to hold you accountable. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have a health equity comfort. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be doing all the things that I'm blessed to be able to do. Yeah. Without stepping out and, and being like, you know what? Why am I afraid of being a success? Not, when you say it out loud, it sounds stupid. I'm like, oh, but it's a real thing, though. I, I felt that, too. I would always... Thought of having success or the money or the the comfortability, it made me nervous because I'm like, "Who can I handle it?" And I ain't quite there yet, but like, can I handle this? Because the thought and the idea of that really spoke with me too. So I can completely relate. I had a fear of being successful, 
and it sounds like the craziest thing, but it's the responsibility I think that came with it, you know, because when you start to um, live in this world of success and I've had this experience, people start to put you way up here. They do. And then the minute you say something out of character or it's something that is off, then they are the, they're the quickest ones to say, Oh, did you see what she said? And so I tell people, don't give me that kind of credit, okay? I'm just doing what I was called here to do. But that success thing about being fearful, I was very fearful of success. Very fearful. So if you were, man, this has been so good. I, I was like, man, how much time? Yeah, no, you know, I can talk all day. So you, we, we can do always a part two, part three, whatever you need. I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> no, this has been very, very good. Yeah. Well, that person, if you were sitting down with somebody that was fearful of success. Yeah. Fear of leaving a job mm-hmm. and going out and or pursuing their dream. Yeah. Insert fear of whatever that. Yeah. How would you, what would you say to that person? Or how would you encourage them to, to do what you did and just step out on faith? Yeah. And to tackle that fear. Yeah. I, I always say you got to let go and let God, because I've been that person, the person that God called to leave the job, leave the teaching job that you knew well. I can teach with my eyes closed. I knew it. And he called me to leave it for this. And and, and I was like, you do know I don't have no money. I don't have Where my checking account. Yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure, Lord, that we're clear. Because I'm a single mama with two kids, and you talk about stepping out on faith. And so I want to tell people to let go. Like, don't give God the excuses of why. Because what you do is what this world needs. See, we get so caught up in the what we don't have. And I'm going to tell you, I ain't had it. God has made a way. Every time you're talking almost 10 years now of being able to pay folks and may not always been able to pay myself. I've, I've sacrificed a great deal, but it's not about me. It's about everybody else. And so I tell people, if you're operating in that, I'm afraid to leave the job. I'm afraid to do this. I don't have the money. What if I don't have, if you believe in it, the provisions have already been set for you. So you don't have to be concerned about how am I going to? Because when you start walking in that purpose, I believe the favor falls completely on you. And you put it in my two weeks. I'm telling you, I know. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I'm done. But it does. I believe in favor and blessings and it falls on you. And then I also want to encourage people, find someone that you can link with to help you. And if you want to keep the job and still dabble in that, it's okay, right? Because I am not suggesting to folks you don't have to do what I did because I left it. Right. Literally left it. No health insurance. Um, just a few months yeah. salary. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you completely. <laughs> you don't have to do what I did. But that was for me because God had to strengthen me for the next and the next. So that was the way my journey went. But if you're not ready to fully do that, keep the job and dabble here. And then you might see what happened to me. I was dabbling more over here than I was the job. And that's when I knew it was time to leave because I was committing more in this space than I was. You you know when you start. (laughs) I'm taking calls at school and I'm supposed to be teaching y'all's kids. And I'm like, okay, if I was a parent, 
this probably wouldn't work too good if she was over here. And that's when you had to leave. But I want to tell people, let go. Let God use you because um, you will be surprised what you can do and what you can endure. But if you don't, you'll be 70, 80 years old going, oh, I should have. And and that's what I tell people. If you don't want to have those conversations with yourself, you owe it to yourself just to try. And that's what my thing is for this year. It's the try. God, it, in the Bible, it says faith without works is dead. What that means is you give God nothing to operate on if you don't go do something. You've got to make the first move for him to even be able to bless and do something. So if you just stay stagnant in your house and say, well, I'm not doing it. God's like, well, then there's really not a lot. I, there's not a lot for me to do here. Right. But if you step out there and apply for the loan or decrease the hours or say I'm going to do this or start the small project. Now we're giving them something to work with. And that's what we have to do. It's the little steps. I'm not telling you leave the job, take all the money, you know, I'm not telling you to do all that. I'm telling you to take the, the necessary steps to get you in a position to where you can go give the two weeks because now you're ready to go. That's what I probably wish I would have done, but I ain't complaining, Lord, because I want you to still bless me. So I'm not complaining. I just say it. But I do think those little steps mean something. But faith without works is dead. You've got to start somewhere to give him something to work with. Yes. And right there, we're going to drop the mic. All right. Juana, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you. For those that are listening that want to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find more out about uh, Juneteenth, iowajuneteenth.org. If you're looking to look at the magazine, it's theurbanexp.com. If you want to look at what's going on with Iowa Urban Media, it's iaurban.com. Um, you can look me up on Facebook. If you just want to have a conversation, if you just need some direction where you want to go, literally, I give my time over and over again because you are that important. So. If you need something, reach out to me. Many people will tell you, I, I'll give you what you need. Yeah, and I'll make sure I have all that in the description. Though. Wonderful. So yeah. People don't have to look too much. Yeah. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Hey, if you're listening right now and you mm-hmm. need support, um, Coffee Can't Fix Everything, but this is just a podcast, please reach out to your local providers, <laughs> 988. Do what you have to do to take care of your mental health. Um, but thank you again for listening to Wallet Thinking Everything. Yeah, thank you. Hey, everybody, coffee can't fix everything, but we're starting it with the conversation. We'll holler at you next time. <laughs>